all right ladies and gentlemen hello and welcome the fuck back to love doctor fm this is the episode where i sit down for two hours and talk about fucking i'm kidding um this is our (laughs) this is the sex ed episode essentially this is the sex ed how to have sex 101 episode because every time i talk to somebody who has substantially more sexual experience than me i get one of two comments the first is how do you know so much about this and the second one is how did i not know that and those two comments always throw me for a loop because i feel i i don't know what it is about me but i always feel like the amount of knowledge i possess on one specific topic is always common knowledge knowing damn well that i've gone out of my way to research certain things and maybe i don't know what it is about my personality that is just is that way like I would just assume that everyone is on (sighs) I wouldn't necessarily phrase it like my same intellectual level but my same level of understanding because my intellectual level is not that high and like it's it's not necessarily like a huge feat to be where I'm at intellectually but I also don't like to talk about things that I don't understand. I don't like to go in-depth on topics that I haven't researched, and I don't know why, but I assume everybody is the same. So, this is how to have sex for dummies. Alright, now, as I was just lovingly reminded by my boyfriend, I'm not somebody with an insanely high body count. So, if you're looking for like reasons as to why you should even listen to what I have to say all I'm gonna tell you is that I learned more in 18 years by observing everybody else's mistakes and listening to everybody else's horror stories than I ever did in any sex ed class ever and I feel like naturally as humans we're very curious people so there are things that people know about sex but there's also a lot of misconceptions that come with that because so much of what we're taught about sex is from porn which is so unhealthy first of all that shit is so unhealthy for you if you watch it on a regular basis and i'm talking like like multiple times a week cut that shit out because it like scientifically it is not healthy for your perception of sex and relationships to watch porn consistently and it's also very easy to get addicted and that will be like maybe oh my god maybe i can have like a porn star come on and i'll interview them i know a few people we'll work on that but as i was saying so much of like what we know as people and what we're taught when we kind of go outside of school to learn about sex is through porn and that is not a good lens to be taught through because the porn industry is very it's a horrible industry honestly i'm just gonna put it like that it is very exploitative of women um it is very just violent towards women like there are so many female porn stars who have come out and said that they felt pressured into doing the things that they want to do there are so many videos that make their rounds on sites like Pornhub or x videos that are just violence disguised as like rough sex and that's not what that is and that's not how we should be teaching kids or that's not how kids should feel like they should have to learn about what sex is or about how to do it now I will say this podcast isn't aimed at children it is aimed at young adults and like older teens but if you're anything like me like maybe you were a little bit sheltered maybe you kind of didn't like grow up as fast as everyone else you get to a point in your life where you're like ah everyone around me is having sex I don't know what to do I'm really confused I don't know where to go I don't know what do I do and you come here and I teach you everything that I know all of my tips and tricks to make sure that your first time is as easy as possible and that it's you know actually fun 
Alright, now that I've taken a monster energy break, let's get back into this. So, the first thing that you need to have sex is a sexual partner. Now, I cannot dictate who you have sex with, but here are some recommendations that I can give you. Do it with somebody that you're comfortable with. Do it with somebody that you actually care about and who you know actually cares about you. Do it with somebody who listens to you. Somebody who, like, they may not have to be your significant other, but they care about you. They're not just going to leave you stranded. They're not just going to, like, you know initiate something and then like not listen to you when you talk about what you want do it with somebody who you can have open and honest conversation with don't do it with strangers okay i know how that sounds and i know for people who are kind of like ah i just want my first time to be like as painless as possible i just want it to be over i want it to be easy the idea of doing it with strangers is sometimes really appealing but it's not trust me you never know how they're gonna act you never know what they're gonna do and that can result in some very sticky and very like traumatizing situations if you're not careful so just do it with people you know do it with people that you are comfortable with the next thing that you need for having sex is contraception um but before that comes a conversation okay when you're having sex with someone you need to be able to look them in the face and have an open and honest conversation about how it's gonna go so here are some questions that i recommend that you ask the first one is this your first time if the answer is no follow up with okay when was the last time you got tested Listen, I know how that sounds. I know how scary it is to ask somebody to get tested for you or with you. I know how daunting it is to ask somebody to talk about their past sexual history and ask like, hey, when's the last time you got tested? But it is so important. STDs run rampant, okay? They run rampant and they do damage. They're not fun. And it's not something that schools say to scare you. It's something that they say to inform you. And I'm going to inform you about it right now. More than 1 million STIs, which are just like sexually transmitted infections and like diseases and stuff, are acquired worldwide every single day, okay? And so many of them are asymptomatic. The thing about STDs is sometimes the symptoms are not always present, tangible, or physical, all right? A lot of the time, you can have diseases like chlamydia that don't show symptoms, especially in women, and you still have it, and you're still passing it on. I remember that one of the funniest things my best friend told me during the pandemic was that there was a super popular actor who caused a chlamydia outbreak. And I didn't even know if it's true. I still don't know if it's true. But I wouldn't doubt that it's possible because these things are asymptomatic. Because they're so easy to miss. Because they're so easy to not look for. Which is why you have to be vigilant about asking people, hey, when was the last time you got tested? Okay, do you want to go get tested with me before we do this? Especially, especially, especially if it's your first time. Okay, be safe. Don't be sorry. Like, it is a million times better to be safe than sorry when it comes to your first time especially if this is not somebody that you've been in a committed relationship with especially if they can't track all of the people that they slept with like just get tested i promise you it's worth it almost every testing clinic has somewhere where you can get contraceptives including birth control and condoms which are the next things that we're going to talk about so yes just do it i promise you it is worth it so going off of that The next thing that you need to have sex are contraceptives, aka condoms, birth control, and plan B. Alright, so those are the most common forms of contraceptives. Now, each has varying degrees of effectiveness and each of them are good for different things. Now, condoms are kind of the staple. They protect you from pregnancy and STIs. Um... 
and they serve the purpose of making sure that both parties do not catch anything, transmit anything, or have any accidental pregnancies. Condoms are cheap. You can find them pretty much everywhere. Grocery stores like Walmart and Target, drug stores like CVS, Walgreens, Shoppers Drug Mart, Rexall if you're Canadian. You can find condoms in a lot of places. Honestly, I usually leave that to the guy because since he's the one wearing the condom, there's different things that guys look for in terms of size, uh, thickness, and thinness, sometimes material. My only thing about condoms that women need to be careful of is if you have a latex allergy, make sure you tell him not to get anything with latex in it. But like, they're very easy to find, they're very easy to pick up, and an added thing that you should also look into if you're buying condoms is lube because condoms are made of like um sometimes latex or materials that kind of feel a little plasticky and sometimes the friction from that if you're not adequately lubricated can be very unpleasant so condoms and lube very important Next is birth control. Now, birth control is a contraceptive that can protect you from pregnancy and pregnancy only, okay? You can take birth control in multiple forms. You can take it by mouth. There is a pill. You can get a shot for it, so you get that injection once a month. They have a patch that you can use that you replace, I believe it is every two weeks. You can get an IUD, which is an insertable form of birth control, and it comes in two forms. You can get um, an IUD, which goes like in your coochie, and pretty much what it is, it's like a small t-shaped um, device that releases hormones and it thickens up the mucus in your cervix so that the um, like the sperm can't swim through and it stops the eggs from like ovulating and meeting with sperm therefore no pregnancy and you can also get the one that goes in your arm which is like the next splenon kind that you see all over TV ads and there's like that one ad with Vanessa Hudgens yeah now there are a million types of birth control and they all have different side effects they all have different um like degrees of effectiveness and they all work differently for different people so for example the iud the one that goes in your vagina is very painful to get okay i've heard horror stories about how bad it is but it is the most long term you get that inserted and you don't have to have it taken out or replaced for anywhere from i believe it's like four to seven years so it's good for long-term contraception especially this would be good like if you're in a long-term relationship with someone this would be good if you kind of are just starting to explore the waters for sex and you're younger so like around 15 16 which is when I feel like a lot of people start to explore that kind of thing because this circumvents you getting pregnant for a long time I would still recommend using condoms just to protect against STIs but at least you know that you can't get pregnant it is painful there are places that will um i believe give you some sort of like numbing or anesthesia beforehand but some don't so i would be careful about where you go and make sure you ask first in the united states i know that you have to pay for them um i don't think your insurance will always cover all of it in canada i know for a fact that if you have ohip which is like the standard government insurance so aka if you have a health card you can talk to your doctor and you can get an iud for free up until you are 25 so that is a very good thing that you should look into if you live in Canada. Now, uh, with the implant, it's a similar thing. The implant is like something that gets implanted into your arm. It does the same thing that an IUD does. It just gets implanted in a different place. Same thing, very long term. Birth control is a very accurate way of not getting pregnant, but they all have side effects. This, um, 
this form of contraception is basically you introducing hormones to your body to combat pregnancy and hormones have side effects on your body so some common side effects of taking birth control um, are increased bleeding sometimes in your periods usually it lightens up but sometimes you can experience increased bleeding for the first couple months you can have uh, stomach cramps headaches nausea dizziness weight gain or weight loss um, sometimes acne and these are all common side effects which usually drop off after the first couple months once your body gets used to the influx of hormones but this is something to note if you are planning on going on birth control okay um the main reason that a lot of people i find go on birth control as a form of contraception is that if you are a woman or a femme presenting person if you have a uterus and therefore have a period birth control can help alleviate period symptoms specifically period cramps so people with really bad periods things like fibroids or um endo a lot of those people tend to go on birth control because it's very helpful to them me i have horrible period cramps okay and i'm not even exaggerating i pretty much am incapacitated for a week when i have my period and it freaks my boyfriend out every time it happens because i will call him and i will tell him that it's like that time of the month and he like looks at me and he's like oh my god because i literally cannot leave my bed i can't even walk it is so bad so i highly recommend birth control if you are having these kinds of issues and if you're just looking for something that's a little bit more long term a little bit more stable as opposed to condoms which can you know sometimes tear if you're not if the condom isn't great and if you're not doing it the right way all right so let's move on so the last and final form of contraceptive that we have to talk about is the emergency morning after pill okay and you've probably heard of it it's called plan b that's like the -the over-the-counter version that they give you and what it is is it is exactly what sounds like it's an emergency contraceptive so essentially it is a pill that floods your system with hormones and it's like the morning after say you didn't use a condom and so you have sex he nuts in you and you're like shit i don't want to get pregnant it's an emergency contraceptive you will not end up getting pregnant um it's not an abortive okay it's a lot of the same hormones that they use in birth control just in a larger dose and you have to take it within three days of having unprotected sex for it to be effective. Now, there's a lot of things that people don't know about Plan B. There's a lot of misconceptions surrounding Plan B, including the fact that it's not an abortion medication, okay? The first one is Plan B is only effective, like, I believe it is the, um, one of the versions of it because there's multiple versions of it. You have the standard, like, Plan B brand that they give you, and that's the one that's notorious for costing, like, $50, and then you have different ones that are the same thing, just under different names from different companies. Now, it is only effective for people who weigh, I believe it's under 175 pounds within the first three days, okay? If you weigh anything more than that, go to your doctor because there is a second brand that is made specifically for people who weigh over 175 pounds. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been scrolling on TikTok or on Twitter or on social media and some girl is having a pregnancy scare and the plan B didn't work and she doesn't understand why and this is why, okay? You need to be aware of what is going to work for you and sometimes these medications don't always work on people who are over a certain weight or under a certain weight so that is something important that you need to understand okay so now we're going to be discussing the best ways to like obtain contraception 
condoms are pretty cheap but say you're like dirt poor we're working with exactly zero dollars and you're looking to just have fun with your significant other and you need contraception the easiest way that i would say to do that is to go to any sort of like clinic like std testing place because they usually give you tests and they can usually get you tested for free and on top of that they usually have free contraception in the form of condoms birth control you might have to go through your doctor but condoms i know for a fact that you can get them for free i worked at a place um where they did um testing and stuff for hiv it was like for hiv awareness and they did have like they had condoms there and they were basically like you know anyone can take them they are for everyone they had a place where you can get tested so you can go to these clinics they have them in like um what's the word they're they have these like outreach clinics and stuff like that in neighborhoods where places like Planned Parenthood are less likely to be um in lower income neighborhoods where like the rates of teen pregnancy and STDs and that kind of stuff may be higher um so yeah they also have condoms at the doctor's office so like if you go in for a checkup with your parents and you like need some I would say like excuse yourself to the bathroom like five minutes before the appointment's supposed to be over go to the front desk and basically just be like hey is there any way that I can get a few condoms put them in your pocket put them in your bag you know whatever make sure you check the expiration dates on all of your condoms because they do expire um but that would be like the easiest ways if you're looking for some alternative ways um obviously like go to your doctor your doctor can prescribe you um birth control that's like pretty much the easiest way to get it i know that planned parenthoods all around america are closing so if that is no longer an option for you there are websites that you can go on that will give you the same kind of birth control that you would get at a doctor's office now i do not recommend this for anyone who is just starting out the reason why is because there can be underlying health conditions that you are at risk for that prevent you from being able to just go on birth control straight away i'm someone like that i'm at risk for hypertension aka high blood pressure and so i have to get scanned before i can go on birth control to make sure that none of the medications i'm going to be taking are going to exacerbate any chances that i have of attaining high blood pressure there are birth controls that don't mix well with things like antidepressants there are birth controls that don't mix well with certain other medications so if you are someone who's been taking birth control for years you know which one you take you have like the brand of it and everything and you just can't go to the doctor anymore yes there are websites where you can pay a very low fee or even get it for free um and it delivers straight to your door the packaging is discreet you take it every day it is a renewal subscription service those things are so so helpful in terms of things like plan b plan b over the counter is considered to be like pretty expensive um which is not surprising for me like it's surprising in the sense of you would think that people would be more considerate about pricing but it's also not surprising because medicine specifically in america is considered to be a business because a lot of it is privatized so if you're looking for plan b and you don't want to pay $50 for it, I would say they have a Costco version that is a lot cheaper. I believe it's $30. They also have a version on Amazon. I think you can get either the same Plan B for like much, much cheaper because I know that's what somebody that I know did. Um, or you can get like the kind of not name brand version, like the generic brand version, which is the same thing, um, also for cheaper. Um, but kind of just look around the internet. A lot of places sell 
the generic version for like a lot a lot cheaper than the name brand and it does the same thing okay so hopefully those are some ways that have like helped you to be able to like seek out where to get contraception and where to find like the most effective forms of the stuff that you need to have a good time with your partner okay I just got confirmation from the person I was talking about earlier. The plan B that they found on Amazon was seven fifty. Um, I don't know if it's going to cost the same thing in CAD, but in USD, if you've got the ability to do it, do it. Trust me when I tell you stocking up on things like birth control and plan B is your best option because those things do not expire. Condoms will expire. And this is something that I did not know until I was like 16 years old. Condoms will expire. The latex will get old. And the, like, the older they are, the more likely that they are to tear. So be careful. Refresh your condoms. Stock up on everything else. Okay, so moving on, this is the next part where I educate you on some of the more niche parts of having sex that a lot of people don't talk about. Namely, all of the kinky shit, okay? I feel like people only ever get educated on kink play when they are active participants of it, but my thing is, you can't expect people to want to participate if they don't know what they're going into, and if they don't know how to do it, and if they don't know, like, you know, just the basics of it so here we are here are the basics um i would like to say that the kink community is very large and there are a lot of good resources online for people who have years and years of experience doing this kind of stuff okay this is stuff that i have researched this is stuff that has been told to me by friends this is stuff that i have seen okay and stuff that i have i guess you could say experience with i'm not trying to air out my whole sex life on the internet but just know that this isn't something that i'm talking about off the top of my head okay so just understand that but yes this is the 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 kinky boots section of (laughs) the sex 101 how to have sex for dummies episode so the kink community is made up of a lot of different kinds of people who enjoy a lot of different kinds of things and depending on what you're looking for you need to research it before you go into it now a lot of the terms that people may be familiar with will be things like dom sub switch um etc etc but there are different kinds of kinks there are different roles in kink and while i can't name all of them because we don't have that much time i'm gonna give you a basic rundown so yes there are people who do have roles like dom sub uh slave master switch rope bunny uh rigor etc 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 all these people do different things typically you have people who have a more dominant role people who have a more submissive role people who do both people who kind of go back and forth people who just enjoy watching etc etc okay there's tons of people within this community but in order to practice kink safely you need to know what you're doing so for example um there's a lot of different kinks that people have like a lot of the ones that you guys know like choking like breath play for example that can be considered a kink and there are right and wrong ways to do it for example you don't choke someone um when you're having fun sexy time by like shoving the heel of your hand onto the middle of their throat because that is what you call um what's it called i think it's called blood choking and you don't want to do that because what that does is it cuts off blood flow to their brain and that is how you get injured that's how you pass out if you wanted to choke someone in a hot and sexy way, what you would do when you put your hand around their throat is you would take your two fingers, like your index finger and your middle finger, and then your thumb, and you would squeeze. And what that does is it cuts off, like, 
their airway or it lessens how much air they're taking in but it's not lessening actual blood flow to the brain so while they may feel like a lightheaded dizzy feeling they're not passing out right in front of you unless that's what they want okay now this is the part that i should have led with that i like didn't really you know remember to properly introduce until now the most important thing in practicing kink is consent okay guys consent is the most important thing everything that happens in kink should be consensual it doesn't matter what you like think it is it doesn't matter what you view it as or whether or not you think it's appropriate it is all consensual yes there are people who consensually pee on other people and i don't kink shame people because that's not my business it's not my job to tell you what you shouldn't be shouldn't should and shouldn't be doing with your free time but it is my job to tell you that if you're going to be participating in any kind of like kinky acts with your sex partners you need to have consent that is that is it bottom line okay i'm not going to explain it further than that because consent is the bare minimum um and it is something that every person is owed and deserved and if you can't have consent you can't have sex so that's it anyway so like i said there's a ton of different kinks and they do a ton of different things things like choking spanking overstimulation ice play wax play um hair pulling there's like so many different dynamics and all of them come with a learning curve because not everything is exactly what it seems you participating in kink with your partner means that you need to know your partner you need to be able to identify the things that they like and don't like and with kink comes things like aftercare and safe words that should be stuff that's practiced in regular everyday sex but oftentimes it's not taught because regular everyday vanilla sex isn't thought of to have i guess the same physical ramifications that kink sometimes does have so now we're gonna talk about those things because they're very important okay so when it comes to talking about kink a lot of what you will learn is that there are things that are needed in order for it to run safely one of those things is called a safe word and it's exactly what it sounds like kink is about pushing your body to its physical limits a lot of the time okay hence why you have things like edging overstimulation and in case you don't know what those are edging is essentially just like bringing someone to the edge of like right when they're about to finish and then stopping and then doing that over and over and overstimulation is like pushing them as far as they can in terms of like until they finish over and over and over again and just stimulating them as much as possible so when you have things like that you need to have a safe word because sometimes those feelings get really overwhelming not just physically but mentally and emotionally when you participate in kink a lot of the times a kink and bdsm which i should say are two different things like i want to make that clear the kink community and the bdsm community although they are closely related they are two different communities and um when you participate in different scenes with different people you may find yourself where you have like an emotionally overwhelming moment or where you're physically overwhelmed and you need to stop and that is why you have a safe word because there are some aspects of kink and bdsm that are not as black and white when it comes to consent okay they're still consensual but there are different the the way that things work are very different okay and i i want to explain as much as i possibly can i want to make it as clear as i can for you guys so what i'm talking about essentially is things and kinks like i will add a trigger warning for these just because sometimes the non black and whiteness of the consent can be triggering for people so this is the trigger warning um but things like cnc and somnophilia so for example 
somnophilia usually just tagged as like somno is essentially the act of like doing stuff to someone when they're sleeping that is something that you have to have prior consent for you can't just do it so that's like a conversation with your partner of like hey i want to try this out do you think that we can and they give you consent and you do it at your own discretion okay and there's a whole like way you could consent to that in so many different ways you can have like a flag system like oh yeah if there's like um a green flag tied to the bed you're all good to go if there's a red flag i'm not feeling it etc etc right um and then like cnc is a whole different thing it's like consensual non-consent so there's like you consent prior and then there's a lot of different ways that can go it can go very very deep and some of those scenes are very very intense and then it can just like very lightly scratch the surface but the point of both of these things and the point of me telling you about it is that because there is a gray area when it comes to consent with these things and because it has to be obtained prior you have to have a safe word because in some of these scenarios stop doesn't mean that the person is going to stop because that's what you consented to before you started so if you want them to actually stop if something is too much if it gets too physical you need to have a safe word that's going to let them know like hey i don't feel comfortable doing this anymore at the end of the last episode i introduced you to the traffic light system and that is a common way that people in kink and people in bdsm use a safe word so the green means go you're good if your dom or sub or whoever it is that you're you know fucking around with asks for like a check-in you say green you're good to go they continue what they're doing y'all have fun if you say yellow that's usually an indication of like i don't like this thing can we try something else so i know like for example that would be in a situation of like if you're doing like um sensory play which is essentially just like you play on the senses so like you can blindfold people you can like like poke and prod them and like smack them with different things um you can like it's like all of your senses right say there's like a texture that you don't like um or they're doing something like impact play within that that you're not feeling and you say yellow it essentially means like i don't want to stop but i want you to move on to the next thing i want us to not do this specific thing that we're doing anymore okay and then you have red and red is the very obvious it is a stop sign it means stop what you're doing right now i'm it's too much it's too physical i'm uncomfortable i don't want to do it anymore just stop and when you hear red or when you hear the safe word that means stop you stop that that's that's it there's no this does not apply to things like cnc and somno where the consent sometimes is a little gray in the middle no 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 no. even in those situations you hear red and you stop you hear the safe word and you stop no matter what happens i don't care i don't care there are no excuses because a lot of the time people can start to get overwhelmed and that can get worse and worse as time goes on so you stop right away okay a safe word is there to protect everyone in the scene and people can safe word regardless of what's happening anyone can safe word if you are the dom in the scene you can also safe word if you are the sub in the scene you can safe word if you are just like watching but you're also a part of it you are also allowed to safe word it doesn't matter why you're using it it is valid i would say that it is important to come up with a safe word that is unique to you and your partner. Don't use a random word like don't or the or stop. Something that's going to be included in your everyday vocabulary because if you do a scene that's very talking heavy, that can interrupt the flow of the scene. Use something that if you scream it, it's very random and it's going to bring attention to the fact that you want to stop right away. So for example, I've heard ones like 
pineapple i've heard like different colors i've heard like i heard somebody say like empire state building because it was the first thing that they could think of okay just a safe word can be anything just make sure that it is effective and make sure that you and your partner are both aware of what it is and it's not a bad idea to before you start a scene or before you start anything just be like hey you remember our safe word and have them repeat it and you repeat it and then you're good to go okay so now we get into the whole aftercare portion now like i said previously i feel like aftercare is only really talked about in kink scenarios because kink is so physical heavy and because things like bdsm and kink are so heavy on your body itself that you need to have some sort of like person there to give you like aftercare so you know that your body is not like falling apart <laughs> and you're not like falling apart emotionally okay and i i know a lot of people who do sex work i've met like people who do stuff as simple as like OnlyFans Twitter. I've met people who do like full-on porn and like fly all over the world and like post on uh, Pornhub X videos. Um and I know people who do like like who are like strippers and dancers and stuff like that like that. So when it comes to aftercare, it is extremely important and it is the one thing that any good any good person who is experienced in kink or bdsm will tell you how important aftercare is okay only somebody who has no regard or concern for the other person's safety will tell you to skip aftercare or will try to convince you that it doesn't matter okay because that is extremely dangerous rhetoric and let me explain why there are a lot of parts of kink and bdsm that are rooted in things like masochism which is like a love for like pain personally so like if i was a masochist it'd be like i like having pain inflicted on me or sadism which is liking to inflict pain on other people for example ice play wax play or even fire play because that is a thing as well there are aspects of sex that can be dangerous if not done correctly things like knife play i'll use that as an example knife play is exactly what it sounds like you take a sharp knife and it's a sensation tactic okay so you drag it along parts of someone's body you press the cold parts in places sometimes you scratch them there are people who like to be cut and even though it's not for everyone you need to do it with somebody experienced and after the fact you need aftercare if you're constantly getting scratched by something sharp you need to make sure that your body is clean you need to make sure that the blade is clean you need to make sure that you are like washing and taking care of any accidental like scratches cuts markings anything so that you're not getting any infections it's the same thing with like ice play and wax play if you just spent an hour getting ice dragged all over you you're gonna be cold you need to be warmed up maybe go take a hot shower and if you've just spent like an hour getting hot wax dripped all over you your body is going to be sore it's gonna be sensitive you need to cool down a little bit you need to maybe take a cool shower but these are things that are very important when it comes to practicing sex because these are things that are essential aftercare is essential it is non-negotiable it doesn't matter if you're doing something as vanilla as like missionary which eyes closed or something as kinky as like tying your partner to the ceiling okay it does not matter you need aftercare it is non-negotiable if you are not responsible enough to provide aftercare after sex you are not responsible enough to be having sex and that goes for everyone who is involved dom sub switch does not matter what you are doing it doesn't matter what position you were in or who you were in the scene you receive aftercare and you give aftercare now let me paint a picture of why it is dangerous to not give aftercare to someone if you are practicing casual sex with someone and your casual sex is not vanilla aka kinky bdsm whatever the case may be 
you are not in a relationship with this person. This person is not obligated to take care of you the way that they would be in a relationship, which means that say you do something like impact play where they're literally like spanking you over and over and you start crying because it hurts the crying doesn't necessarily mean that you don't like it nor does it mean that you want it to stop but the vulnerable feeling that you will have after that scene is done is something that needs to be addressed by the other person because it can leave you feeling worthless it can leave you feeling shitty and just small and like gross and like damn i did that with this person it kind of feels like they used me because they don't even care to check on me and see if i'm okay trust me when i tell you from personal experience not receiving aftercare is the worst thing in the fucking world okay it sucks it is literally so heartbreaking and painful and you just feel so like gross in like within yourself especially if it's like a heavy scene where you're doing a lot of acting or where you're like fulfilling like they're telling you to do stuff and you're like fulfilling commands or whatever the case may be okay aftercare is a need and it's not just a need because it leaves you feeling gross it's a need because it is it's a genuine safety concern okay a lot of people who have sex are mentally ill some not everyone is mentally sane when you mix somebody whose perception of themselves and perception of reality is already warped with a situation where they've just done something for you and you've pretty much left them hanging that can send someone over the edge like that can send someone into an episode and that is not something that you want on your conscience that is not something that you want to have to deal with after the fact so in order to circumvent that you give them aftercare you let them know that it's okay you bring them back to reality and aftercare doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be super romantic with someone aftercare might mean that you give them a glass of water you talk to them you ask them like hey are you okay how are you feeling hey your head's swimming okay let's lay down for a little bit you lay right beside them you don't even have to touch them give them some water maybe give them a warm towel so that they can wipe off offer to let them use your shower just let them feel okay again in their skin before you let them leave and it doesn't have to be as I guess intense as it is when you're in a relationship with someone or it can be if you're comfortable with it then yeah tell them like hey do you want to stay over like we can cuddle we can watch a movie grab some food together eat play video games like whatever makes you feel like you're getting back to normal after doing something like that do that with that person and don't be afraid to ask for it and if you're getting turned down when it comes to aftercare first of all i've said it to all of my friends and i will say it to all of you even though i like hopefully hopefully if this podcast blows up i may not be able to continue to fulfill this obligation but while it is just listeners who are close to me if you do stuff with someone and they don't give you aftercare and like you and i know each other you can dm me for it and i I, i'm not gonna tell you no like I've seen firsthand the effect that this can have on people. I've seen my friends and even friends of friends just spiral because of lack of aftercare. So if you don't get it, you can come to me for it because I have experience giving it. I had an entire, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that on the internet, but just know that I have experience giving it and like receiving it and I know what it's supposed to look like and I know that it should be given every every single time that you do something with anyone and that's not exclusive to people who are having casual sex that is also sex workers that is also experienced people in the kink and bdsm community that is also your partner that you have sex with every day okay like it every single person deserves aftercare and I will continue to preach this message for as long as I'm on Beyonce's goddamn internet okay good
Alright, so now that I've gone on my rants about, like, aftercare, safe words, king play, all of that other stuff, right? Now, we're gonna get into the mechanics of actually, like, like, how that's gonna work. So, the first and most important part is foreplay. When it comes to having sex, you want to feel like you're having fun, okay? When doing it with somebody that you trust, it should always feel fun, but foreplay is very important, especially for women. Now, I'm sure that you all know how female anatomy works, um, and... I'm just gonna be very outward with it. If she's not wet, it's not gonna work. So, if you want it to work, if you want it to feel good for yourself and for the femme person with a coochie involved, you need to have foreplay because women require more foreplay to finish. Number one, it's harder for us to finish. A lot of women can't finish from penetration alone, so there needs to be focus in other areas. And then number two, it's not as easy as it is with guys like four guys so you need to build it up you need to build up the tension you need to have a lot of foreplay and you need to do it well listen to what she's telling you don't do what you think that you know how to do because sometimes you don't know how to do what you think you know how to do okay and basically what that means is don't be a dick if she's telling you like move to the left move to the fucking left if she says go harder don't go faster it means more force it doesn't mean more speed just things like that try and practice listening because a lot of the time sex for women is a lot harder to actually finish from it's a lot harder to actually like feel like you're having a good time you know and that's why women have a reputation for faking orgasms because they cannot reach them now an important part of sex is not necessarily just the person that you're having sex with but the stuff that you're having sex with i will say this till the day that i die toys are your friends okay they are not enemies they are not like you don't have to be afraid of them if you know how to use them it makes the entire experience better because they can do things that you can't while you're otherwise preoccupied okay and i'm talking to the men when i say this don't be afraid of the vibrator it's helping you it's doing what you cannot do while you are literally like do i even have to explain do i really because i will but i don't think i have to toys make sex more interesting they can do things for you that can help you get your partner there quicker so i would say that they're a good investment there are companies that make them that there are on the more expensive side you don't have to invest in those i find that ones like i've heard that ones that you can buy from like spencers and shit like they work just as well as all the other ones so you don't need to go spend five hundred dollars on them even though they do go up to that price because they are very expensive sometimes but like just find ways to integrate things into your sex life that will make it fun so like food play (laughs) everyone knows like the like the classic like whipped cream like the chocolate sauce all that kind of stuff it is sticky but sometimes it's fun toys doing it in different places in my last episode i was talking about like in communal places okay yes sometimes you need to spice it up now do i highly recommend that you invest in clorox wipes to disinfect your fucking countertops you're gonna be doing on your counters you fucking whores yes i do but sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's it's necessary to like make it more interesting okay you don't need to be afraid of sex you don't need to feel like you're ashamed of having sex it's fun it feels good and if you do it with the right person then you get everything you need out of it so 
like I was saying, it's not something that you need to be afraid of or feel like you can't do, okay? And while I discourage, like, practicing sex too early because I feel like it can have an effect on your mental health and I feel like it can have an effect on your self-perception, when you're of age, you're of age. So, you know, you do what you want to do. Um, yeah, like, your sex life doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be stagnant. Trust me when I tell you it can be fun. And also, trust me when I tell you, you don't need to have sex, like, when you're super young for it to be fun or for you to be good at it. Like, sex is a practice. You practice at it, you become good at it. So, you don't need to practice at it with a million and one people. You can practice at it with one person. But more than that, you can also, like, you can wait. You don't have to have sex when you're 15. You can wait until you're 16, 17, 18. There are people who lost their virginity in their 20s and it didn't make it any less embarrassing. So, yeah that should be a disclaimer that i issue at the beginning of this podcast but i kind of forgot so if you made it to the end welcome sex is embarrassing it is embarrassing okay do you know how your body functions have you ever queefed it is embarrassing okay trust me when i tell you that like there are parts of sex that make you feel like you want to shy away and if it's not the bodily functions the idea of somebody seeing you at your most vulnerable and seeing you naked is embarrassing there are parts of sex where embarrassment makes it better but it doesn't make it any less like self-conscious feeling but that's okay because it happens to everyone i'm telling you right now Pick one person, a celebrity, uh, if you're a woman, pick a female celebrity that you, like, idolize or that you think is, like, gorgeous and probably has, like, great sex, she queefs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It happens. I'm telling you. There is not one person in this world who does not experience some form of embarrassment during sex at at least one part in their life. So, don't feel bad about it. Um... Now, we reach the part of the podcast where I have to give you all of the awkward kind of warnings that come with your first time, because these are warnings that I wish someone gave me. These are conversations that I wish someone had with me to prepare me for what my first time was, okay? And I'm not going to talk about, I mean, maybe I'll tell that story one day if, like, fucking old boy ever stops acting like he ain't got no sense, then maybe. But until then, um... There are misconceptions about sex. It's not easy, okay? When you watch porn and they do that thing where they, like, pick the girl up by, like, basically her hair and, like, flip her in all kinds of positions and, like, turn her into, like, an origami potato, that, no, that's not a thing, okay? That's not a thing. All of the transitions are not seamless. It is awkward. There are moments where you're kind of, like, just gasping and trying to catch your breath and then all of a sudden you feel like you're being dragged by your spirit into a different position. There are times, gentlemen, you will come prematurely your first couple times. It's going to happen. It's just excitement and hormones and your body not being used to it ladies you will queef it just happens it's air being introduced into it like i could go into the science of how a queef works and it wouldn't matter it is going to happen okay laugh it off move on there are times when you're not going to be able to finish and that doesn't mean that it's at you know it's your partner's fault sometimes it's just biologically especially like now let me just say my mentally ill bitches okay can we just have a moment of silence for all of the long-lost orgasms that our medication has deprived us of? Moment of silence. Okay, now that we've had our moment of silence, yes, if you're mentally ill, if you are on medication, 
okay? Yes, your libido is going to be fucked. You are going to have days where you are so stressed out, you are so tense, you are wound so tight like a fucking wind-up doll, and all you need is just a good moment with your fucking vibrator, and you can't even get that because your medication is depriving you of it. And that's not your partner's fault whenever you guys end up having sex and that happens. It's not your fault. Sometimes, your brain chemicals, they just be working against you, okay? So at that point, you just, you say fuck it, you try again, and if it really doesn't work, relax relax let it rock just try again another time okay um it is sex can be a very wonderful thing and it can be a very scary thing and it can be a very vulnerable thing and my job is not to discourage you from having sex until you're married that's not my job as someone who's 19 i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you that i'm not gonna feed you the christian sex ed propaganda that fucking your schools are going to feed you. Number one, I'd be a hypocrite and a liar. And number two, I wouldn't be accurately preparing you for what it is like to be in a relationship. Kids are hormonal, okay? It's going to happen. So I would rather prepare you for as much of it as I can when it happens. Now, we're going to move into like a couple other things that I just find like fun to talk about. Um, the first thing being like, ladies, if you ever want to get cute... <laughs> for like your guy and you don't have Victoria's Secret money Amazon is a good option okay um I know that we're discouraging people to buy from like Shein right now that's like a thing is like we're not supposed to be uh clothes shopping from there so I I'm not really gonna like encourage you to go buy from there but I will say that obviously like it is a very budget-friendly option for people who are like struggling and sometimes like maybe not able to drop victoria's secret money so websites like that like places like h&m like almost every modern clothing store now has like an underwear section or like like a lingerie section maybe um even at victoria's secret like i know for a fact that they have like some like deals in and around this time this like season um that can you know that can they can be worth it so maybe go dressing up and like integrating things like like role play and like just cute little outfits into your sex life is a great way to like spice it up and make it fun and not as like stagnant and you know one thing that I really want to talk about is body image and I want everyone listening to this to know that like your body is perfect like you don't need to change your body for anyone you don't need to look a certain way or dress a certain way or have certain bodily features to enjoy having sex or for your partner to enjoy having sex with you okay you are perfect the way you are you're beautiful gorgeous and sexy so you don't need to feel like insecure when it comes to having sex especially when it's somebody that you're dating because trust me when i tell you first of all let me let me say two things if you're a man women are feral okay they're feral with an f and i'm gonna get shit for saying it because i shouldn't even be exposing us like this but it's true you don't have to worry about what your girlfriend thinks of you and if she's comparing you to like harry styles and timothy chalamet because first of all in our minds okay i love i love my boyfriend and i love every i love some of the men on this planet um i need you to know that in our minds harry styles and timothy chalamet and the people that like women and like femme presenting people are often thought to idolize exist on like 
almost a different plane of existence almost like a different level that not as if to say like oh they're better than everyone else some people think that I personally don't but like I know that I'm never gonna sleep with any of them do I think they're attractive yes do I like the media that they put out yes do I consume it sometimes yeah but I don't ever compare anyone to them because I'm never gonna sleep with them and they're just regular people like everyone else okay and if you are a woman or a femme presenting person and you are in a relationship with a man or a mask presenting person they are also feral and it is also worse literally guys are some of the most easy to please people okay if they look at you and decide that they want you you don't have to worry about impressing them because you've already impressed them okay history has shown us that lovingly men can be very easy easy to impress easy to please so you don't have to compare yourself to like all of the victoria's secret models or like people that you see on instagram or tiktokers or like girls on OnlyFans. because number one okay so many people look like that and so many people don't and number two if the person that you're sleeping with didn't find you physically attractive they wouldn't be sleeping with you there has to be something about you that they find attractive for them to consider hooking up with you especially if that's like your partner okay when it's like a casual hookup it doesn't fucking matter like you might not even see their face you might not even care to see their face so it doesn't matter sometimes all that matters is the genitalia but like when it's your partner they already think that you're attractive otherwise they wouldn't be with you so don't worry about it don't stress about it don't make it like a point of contention of like i can't have sex unless he's like obsessed with me and unless he thinks that i'm like the most gorgeous thing in the world he probably already does think that no part of sex should ever feel like it's hard or well it, it'll be hard sometimes like sometimes you just have technical difficulties sometimes shit just doesn't work like the fucking the condom keeps slipping off it gets lost you fucking you can't find the clit you don't know what the g-spot is like it will be hard and you will just persevere and it'll get easier but no part of sex should ever feel like you are lessening yourself to do it you shouldn't feel like you're compromising your self-worth to have sex with someone you shouldn't feel like you're sleeping with someone who doesn't think the absolute world of you or if you are and it's somebody who isn't like you know obsessed with you then you shouldn't have any amazingly fucking high perceptions of them like it should be very level sex is fun okay like I, I don't know why we decided that shaming people for their sexuality and their sensuality, specifically women, was the way that we wanted to go as a society, but, like, I'm not having it. Like, I'm, I'm really not. It's, it's stupid, quite frankly. So, this was the Sex for Dummies episode. Probably the first of many. Um, we will have, <laughs> I feel like, we'll probably have an episode on, like, uh, different things okay like like when when he says get on your knees and you're looking at it and you're just like god god what do i do like you're praying and you, you don't know what to do or when you know there's like another person involved and you're like a threesome oh my god like we'll have different episodes on like different aspects of what sex looks like but like i want you guys to have fun and i want you guys to be safe so have fun and be safe and practice safe sex and make sure that you're you know loving your body and loving yourself and i love you so yeah there's that um if you have any questions comments concerns feel free to dm me if you know me personally or email me at lovedoctorfm at gmail.com and i will see you guys in the next episode uh and i hope that you have a good day